welcome Hoosier fans to another victorious episode of the Assembly Call as tonight your Indiana Hoosiers move to 5-0 and on the young season with a 79-54 victory over Princeton. It is a game that was close at halftime. Indiana led 35-31, to kind of felt like a rock fight there for the final four or five minutes of the first half, but Indiana just with a... Just a, a professional, mature second half. Really impressive second half. They outscore Princeton 44-23, to really just imposing their will. Several big plays by Devontae Green, who is obviously a huge story tonight. Uh, you know, Getting back from his injury, you know, his second game back, really, really looked good and was a difference maker for Indiana. We'll obviously talk about him. But just an impressive victory for Indiana, especially how they adjusted in the second half, how they played, really came out to dominate. And they did. I'm your host, Jared Morris. I am here with Ryan Phillips, and we are going to break it all down for you on this edition of the Assembly Call IU postgame show. And let's start the show the way that we start every show. And that is with our banner moment. And, you know, you might think that I would go with one of many Devontae Green plays for the banner moment, being the president of the Devontae Green fan club and all. Uh, And there were many of them to choose from, but I'm not going to go with one of those moments, although there will be plenty of time to talk about them as we go through the show. Instead, I'm going to go back to the beginning of the second half when this game was still in doubt. It was 35 to 33. And actually, if you remember back to the first couple plays of the second half, Indiana didn't come out very well. You know, Joey Bronk fumbled a pass away on the first possession. They turned it over again, I think, on the no, on the next defensive possession. They could have grabbed a rebound. It bounced out of bounds. So it was, you know, kind of a little flat start. But then at 35-33, Trace Jackson Davis gets called for the flop. It was a terrible call. The guy pushed off. Trace didn't flop. And we saw what has become a bit of a theme from Trace, which is that, you know, if he makes a bad play or someone scores on him or there's a bad call, that competitiveness comes out and he just basically goes out and dominates for the next couple possessions. And that's what he did. And I thought it really set the tone for Indiana. You know, on the very next possession after the flop, He took the ball from the top of the key, took a dribble in, made that nice little 13, 14-foot jump shot, which, you know, a lot of us are probably like, is that a good shot? But he made it. (laughs) He was, you know, clearly determined to take it. Uh, It was a really nice play. Then he got a tough rebound on the other end. And then when he came down offensively on the next play, uh, I forget, I think it was Devontae had the ball on the right wing, and Trace clapped loudly for him to get the ball, got it, reversed it over to Al, set a really nice screen on the wing for Al to get him going to the bucket. Uh, And that ended up uh, putting Indiana ahead 39-33. That 4-0 run really sparked things for the Hoosiers because Princeton never got any closer than that. And it was this flurry of play from Trace. We've seen it from him before, but that competitiveness and playmaking continues to shine through. And look, he may be a guy who's only a freshman, and this wasn't his best game of the season tonight, but there are times when this team really seems to feed off of his energy and feed off of that confidence and that attitude that he has I thought he brought that and you know that combined with the adjustments that Indiana made offensively and a little bit of a renewed sense I thought of intensity uh, and just cohesion on the defensive end is really what drove Indiana in the second half but I thought that really sparked it so hat tip to Trace uh, for getting things going and for having a really nice stretch of play right there. All right, our banner moment tonight, as always, brought to you by our friends at Homefield Apparel, a company that was founded by an IU grad and that remains based in Indianapolis. And look, there are a few reasons why you should go to Homefield Apparel and get gear. Number one, it's so incredibly comfortable. And it's even comfortable after being washed. You know how a lot of times you get a t-shirt, you get a sweatshirt, and the first time you wear it, it just feels great. But then you wash it and it's not the same. Not these. That bison hoodie sweatshirt that I have that I've worn and washed so many times, it still feels so comfortable. Plus, it's unique. You know, I mentioned that bison logo. 
Well, they have logos that you can't find anywhere else. So many cool ones to choose from. You know, they've gone through the RU IU archives to find. So you're going to find unique stuff there. And plus, hey, let's give them some extra credit for being prescient. You know, they went on the record with that nine win Deanna shirt. Obviously, the Hoosiers still need to get a couple of wins to get there. Uh, but, you know, could be the greatest called shot in apparel history, as we've talked about. And hopefully, they get another one against Michigan this weekend. But you can get that shirt there. They've been rolling out shirts for the IU football program all year long. So, so much to choose from. It's all comfortable. It's all unique. And one final note that you need to know before you order, because you're a member of the Assembly Call audience, you get a massive discount when you order at homefieldapparel.com. Use the promo code ASSEMBLY20 at checkout to get 20% off your entire order. That's ASSEMBLY20 for 20% off your order. And by the way, if you go to the URL, homefieldiu.com, it will take you directly to the IU collection there. So homefieldiu.com, use the promo code ASSEMBLY20, get the most unique and comfortable IU apparel anywhere. All right, well, it is time to move the ball, find the open man, and get some opening thoughts from the rest of our team. It's a two-man show tonight. Ryan Phillips, what do you have to rant about? Well, I know everyone's here to talk about uh, Ryan Langborg from La Jolla Country Day in San Diego, but uh, kid had a nice game. Didn't even get six minutes into the show, and you're talking about... I know, I just thought I'd give him a mention. He went to my alma mater, led him to a state title. San Diego chicken yeah, that. Uh, anyway, um, hey, we could use that kind of shooting on on IU's team, right? <laughs> two, of, two of two of ten tonight. And uh, um, anyway, I know I think the guy that that I wanted to talk about. You you were right to talk about Trace. I think that um, a lot of people were upset that IU didn't get Dawson Garcia today. And if you want to know why, I mean, Trace is probably a big part of that equation. I mean, he's the guy who I think is going to be here and who is really good and is going to be, I think one of the better freshmen as far as having an impact on a team is going to be one of the better freshmen, certainly in the big 10 and, and will be, you know, noticeable around the country. I think people are going to, are going to really have to take notice of him and, and account for him. Um, but I guess I'll talk about Joey Bronk, who I thought had his best game as a Hoosier. I think that there are still some warts to Joey's game, like turning it over four times tonight. And, and a couple of them were very preventable turnovers. Uh, but Joey had 16 points, eight rebounds. This was more of a game that fit his speed, I think, and his style, um, which is more of a classic grinded out kind of post game. Um, and, and I think that he and the other big men really struggled with the double teaming. And Princeton's the first opponent that consistently doubled the post. We're going to see that in the Big Ten. And it was clearly the first time IU has faced that this year because they look like it was the first time they faced it this year. They really did not play well reacting to the double in the post. The guards didn't play well. The, the post guys didn't play well. Um, it was almost like they were trying to do too much. Joey had a couple times where he split the double team and, and went to the basket, which was the smart thing to do. Or you got to go quickly. And before the double gets there, um, but I think I think it was a nice productive night for Joey. Seven uh, eleven from the field, eight rebounds, um, only had one foul, and uh, if if you know sixteen points. It, it, but if not for those four turnovers, it probably would have been a, a game ball worthy performance for me. Um, but I think that he's a guy who's really got to work on that. Uh, he's going to get doubled in the post because people aren't going to trust his passing ability. Trace is going to have to work on it. Race Thompson is going to have to work on it. Those guys are really going to have to get better at that. But I thought it was a nice night for Joey, who I think has had some uneven performances to start the season. I thought that this was probably, I mean, you know, undoubtedly, I would say his best performance of the year. And he was also making hustle plays and things like that that this team's going to need when it gets time 
to to battle the really good teams in the Big Ten. So I, I thought that just his energy was good, and I thought he got going really early, which really helped the team sustain what was a tough first half at times. Yeah, yeah, and you know I thought he he adjusted well. I mean, he gave up you know really uh, you know low or, or you know close position on a post up you know on the very first possession, and then really adjusted to that. And I thought played really tough defense in the first half and helped set the tone. It was a really good game for him. Um, let's talk about Devonte Green because I thought he was really, really good tonight. Uh, you know, Green finishes with 16 points. He was two of three from downtown, had four assists, and I think you know, look, we talk. Okay, what are some of the things that Devonte brings? Right, we talked about this. I think it was on the last episode of Assembly Call Radio. You know, he brings a guy that can give you isolation scoring, and we saw that tonight. 26-25 in the first half, Indiana, you know, it's at the end of the shot clock. What does Devontae do? He creates a three-pointer and makes a tough shot. You know, later in the second half, he gets the ball on the wing. Race Thompson's coming over to set a screen. He refuses the screen and just drives himself and ends up hitting a nice little floater and getting fouled. You know, and I thought one of the nice things that Indiana did in the second half, <clears throat> Ryan, because to your point, Indiana's bigs were really struggling, you know, getting the ball in the post and doing anything with it in the first half. And so one of and the adjustments... Quite frankly, I think I think Deron Davis would have been better at passing out of the double team given his experience yes. doing so, and he was out tonight. So I think that yes. that's a guy early in the game they would have inserted to try and get Princeton to stop doing that. But yes. it's just not available. But one of the adjustments they made, and you know, Devontae started the second half, and he's by far the best player on Indiana's roster at doing this, is they started using more of the side pick and roll to get the bigs the ball on the move instead of just stationary trying to you know body Can't for double position. Guys who were on the move. Yeah. No, and Indiana's bigs are good like that. You know, I mean, Joey can actually handle the ball a little bit on the move, although they turned it over some today. Trace is such a fluid, confident athlete; he can do it. You know, and they, you know, four or five times they made that little pocket pass, you know, and got a layup. And Devontae is great at that. So the isolation scoring, the playmaking, and some of the creative post feeds that you get from Devontae. And then, frankly, his on-ball defense was really good. You know, his denial on the back cuts was really good. He only got one steal, but he prevented, you know, two or three, you know, just easy layups on back cuts just because he was alert with his arms, alert with his eyes. So I thought, you know, again, for a guy who hasn't practiced much, I thought Devontae was outstanding tonight. You know, he yeah, was, and, and he was efficient. You know, he was only five for eight. And Sean Morris mentioned this on the broadcast. There were a couple of times where you kind of expected Devonte to take a little bit of a wild shot, and he didn't. And one that he did take, it came right on the heels of the banner moment when it was thirty nine thirty three. Indiana's got this little run going, and he took that quick three in transition. For the record, I have zero problem with that shot. No. Because that would have been a dagger shot that gets the and crowd he was, going. He was open. He was yeah. open, and he's the one guy who can take that. If someone else take like if Al Durham takes that, I don't really like it because he's not that kind of shooter in that situation right. yet. Devontae, I think, is. So I just thought he played smart, played within himself, you know, showed good rhythm with the guys, surprisingly so, given the amount of practice. I was really, really encouraged. And he was out there for twenty six minutes. So and a really good night for him. Here's the other thing. Another thing he can do is he can break up stagnant offense. And it's you're yes. going to run into stagnant offense. It happens. That's basketball. You're going to run into stretches where your offense is not flowing perfectly, even against a team like Princeton, where your offense is not. And, and give Princeton credit. They defended IU really well for a long stretch of the game. And he broke up some stagnant offense. He had that step back three that was, you know, that that great, you know, crossover and step back three that he nailed. And, and that really is the kind of shot you expect from Devontae Green when the chips are down and the offense is not playing well. Um, he's also a guy who just with his quickness and his movement can open things up offensively when things are clogged up and stagnant. And so I agree with you. I thought he had a great game, uh, much more than I thought 
than I was expecting. Also, only one turnover in those 26 minutes, which again, turnovers have been a bugaboo for Devontae going back to his freshman year. The ability to play without making mistakes and without turning the ball over. I would rather have him miss two or three open threes than turn the ball over ever. You know, I mean, I'm willing to take the shots as long as he's not turning the ball over and, and giving teams a run out. Um, Only nine turnovers for the team, by the way. I mean, yeah, they, I thought, they really took care of the ball well outside of and a again, few it was sloppy a slower, stretches. It was a slower game, so you expect the number to be down a little bit. But, but the percentage really, was 14.3. Yeah, but they really took care of the ball. And and again, four of those came from Joey Brunk, who's one of your veteran guys. And some of them were just, you know, not they were just they were silly turnovers. But again, as a whole, and and one of them was from was Rob Finnessy trying to go over the top just foolishly on an entry pass. You know, yeah. I mean, so that's another one that's just like that's a one where you slap your head after you do it. You know, it's not like they were dribbling it out of bounds or doing anything crazy or driving in when they shouldn't. It was passes and just simple ball, like handling the ball things that are easily correctable as opposed to systemic things they're doing to, to screw themselves. Um, so yeah, I, I, I was impressed with that 19 assists on 31 makes too. I mean, they were moving the basketball, even though it didn't seem like it at times they actually were. And you know, you got guys in the second half, finally, it, when it opened up a little bit, got guys throwing lobs to each other, looking for each other instead of forcing shots. I thought the first half was a lot of rushed shots. It was a lot of fool's gold shots where, wow, I'm open. Well, there's a reason you're open. You know, I mean, Ray Thompson took a three. I don't mind that because he was literally, there were 10 feet between him and the other guy. I'm, I'll let him take one of those a game and see if he can prove he can make them. Uh, Demizi took a couple of really rushed shots. You know, I mean, there were just yeah. guys firing things up to fire things up as opposed to finding it within the offense. But that a team like Princeton, you're playing into, your, into their hands when you do that. What they don't want is you to run good offense and get a shot four feet from the basket where they know you can, you can beat them. So I just thought that they kind of rushed some things in the first half, and I think they really settled down in the second half and worked on just pounding it inside. You know, and that's why I give a real big hat tip to the coaching staff for this game because I agree with you. In the first half, I thought there was a stretch there between maybe like the 10 and 7-minute mark where the offense hit the skids, but they were getting good shots. You know, Race missed a couple of layups. Like, you know, they were, get, you know, I think Demizi missed a wide open three. They were getting some good looks and missing them. But then after that, they really started rushing shots. I mean, on four out of five possessions, you know, guys basically took a shot without passing just off the dribble, and it was a low percentage two every single time. You know, Al took one, Demizi took one, you know, a couple other guys took one, and they, they seemed a little out of sync. You know, it wasn't working going inside. You know, they weren't really making any threes, and it's like they just got a little bit discombobulated. And so to the coaching staff's credit, you know, they came out in the second half with a much better plan offensively, and I thought defensively just dug in a little bit more. You know, I thought they just, they bodied up a little bit more, uh, you know, on dribblers, and they boxed out a little bit better, and they were a little bit tougher inside. You know, I don't, to me, I didn't see any schematic, big schematic adjustments defensively, and, and maybe you saw something that I didn't. I thought they just executed the defense better, you know, because they there had a little bit more, more focus. Yeah, they had a little bit more want to and grit, you know, uh, you know, one example of which I'll talk about in the meaningful moment coming up. But, you know, we've seen this a little bit, you know, Indiana have some rough, rough first halves. I think the North, the North Alabama game was another one and they've come out and really adjusted well at, at halftime. And so, you know, a tip of the cap to the coaching staff, you know, you'd like to see obviously the team come out with a little bit more rhythm in first halves. And I think they've actually come out at the very beginnings of games better and okay, but they fall into these lulls in the middle part of it. And some of that may be the rotations. You know, Jerome Hunter, I don't recall, did he play a lot in the second half? 
He played eight minutes in the first half, two minutes in the second half. Um, you know, Rob Finnessy, you know, we hope he's okay. He obviously got hit in the head and didn't come back in there. Um, Demise Anderson only played four minutes in the second half. So, you know, Armand Franklin only played four minutes in the second half. It really felt like a game where Archie kind of shortened the rotation a little bit in the second half and went with the guys that were really rolling after giving guys a chance to play through it in the first half. Um, so I just I was really impressed with the way they came out and the adjustments the coaching staff made because um, I thought that was a big part of the reason why this team just looked so much more confident and comfortable and I mean dominated the second half they won every single segment uh, in the second half which is and, frankly and what they should do against Princeton at home and a reminder of what they did in the second half is they closed out to shooters better I mean yes, they, you they know did. I mean I mean Princeton didn't exactly light it up from three in the first half they were I think four of fourteen or something the second half a desperate team down by a lot is going to fire some threes and they were two of 13. So I, I really thought that they, they also they, stopped giving up straight line drives to the bucket, you know, for layoffs yeah, too, from Llewellyn. Exactly. And I think that there was a lot of, you know, Princeton's going to spread you out and make you guard one-on-one and guard back cuts and guard things like that. And then when you get that one-on-one, you drive, the help comes, then you find a wide open guy for a three. I thought they would do a really good job recovering. And, and I thought they also, offensively, we're just focused on their strength, which is interior. They're going to win on the interior, and they're going to force that defense to sag down and leave a guy like Devontae available to score points. And, and you know, that's what they did. So um, also want to give a credit to IU for starting. I think it was three of six from the free throw line and finishing 14 to 17. So they made their last eight. So the free throw shooting man continues to be a positive. Sorry, early I mean, they made story. their last eleven. I mean, not their last eight. So, uh, one more yeah. guy I want to mention before we get to segment number two, who had an understated, but I thought really good performance tonight was Justin Smith. Yeah, I, I thought, thought Justin really Smith good. played especially really, in the second half. Yes, but you know he was just smart. I mean, he played within himself. He found opportunities when there was a mismatch. He went and posted up. He sought opportunities to drive. When it wasn't there, he didn't dribble into a turnover. He was able to dribble out of it. When it was there, he took it. You know, he obviously had the, you know a couple of highlight plays with the dunks. You know, the rebounding numbers don't jump off, but I thought he boxed out well and just you know, Race Thompson would get the rebound or someone else would get the rebound. Um, you would like to see him uh, get on the offensive glass a little bit more, um, but Indiana also shot the ball relatively well, so there weren't a ton of offensive rebounds to go around. But yeah. like, you know, he should probably never have a goose egg on the you know from a rebounding perspective. But two steals, and I just thought. Even when the defense overall was struggling, especially when the perimeter guys couldn't contain Llewellyn in the first half, I thought he was solid. Like his help defense was good. And I just, and I thought he was, it was not a jump off the page. He's probably not going to get the game ball, but it was a mature performance from a senior. And that's what you need. Like if, if you can count on Justin Smith to be a rock who's going to produce and be solid, that's what you want. And so, you know, I, I don't, yeah, I'm sorry, a junior. Junior, sorry. <laughs> Just making sure you were aware. No, 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 no. Year. I know, I know. I, you know, but he's he's the upperclassman. Juniors now yeah, anymore. They feel sure. like seniors because they've been here so long. But again, he led the team in minutes. Also, and yes. I thought the second half it was he really played to his strengths in the second half. Like you know, he had that really nice. I, I forget who threw it down to. I think it was Trace uh, threw it through a pass. No, it was it was a high low pass from either Trace or or Race Thompson. I don't remember, but it was a high low pass, and he turned around and just you know, had a quick little hook shot and he was playing to his strengths as opposed to his strength is not dribbling around the perimeter, hunting a shot. His strength is attacking and getting into the paint and finishing there. And there's nobody on Princeton who can hang with him, you know, when he's doing that. And so I thought that he attacks smartly. You're right. 
Justin has been efficient this year, which is something he wasn't the last couple of years. Six of nine from the field, and he had a couple of those that were, you know, winning and out. You know, it's a, he's being efficient and putting himself in the best position to score. Also hit both his free throws. Uh, you're right, only three rebounds, but Joey Brunk was, you know, gobbling up eight, and Reese Thompson had five. So there wasn't, you know, that's going to happen this year. Guys are going to spread the rebounds out. Trace Jackson Davis has been on a rebounding tear. He only had four tonight, but it's just. You know, guys are going to spread those rebounds out when you have a lot of yeah. But rebounding, playing. team rebounding wasn't a problem. I mean, they no, yeah, they not at all. Yeah, it wasn't like he was missing opportunities for rebounds. Um, and I will say, you you said that there was a guy who had a sneaky good performance. I would put Ray Thompson in there too. I, I thought in the second half, Ray Thompson was a big part of what they were doing. He had two assists. He bounced on, like, back. First half really, was rough. Yeah, for him, first half was back. rough, and then I thought in the second half, and again, Ray can play twenty. He can play twenty two minutes, be a plus twenty, and only score five points. You know, it's it's not about points for him. It's all the other stuff he does on the interior. It's the stuff he does on defense. It's all of those positive things that are winning things, that are things you have to do to win that he helps out. A lot like Joey Bronk, where it's it's a hustle play or it's, you know, just getting in front of a, a guy who's driving down the lane or, or altering a shot or any of those little things that don't necessarily show up in the stat sheet. Yeah. You know, uh, Trace Jackson Davis wound up not getting a block tonight, but how many shots did he alter? You know, there was at least a half dozen drives that he altered to, I think one or two of them might've gone in, but the guy didn't shoot it the way he wanted to shoot it. You know, it's, it's those little things that don't show up in the box score that you definitely need to have uh, to be a winning team in the big 10 for sure. Yep. All right. Uh, coming up as we continue our breakdown of Indiana's victory over Princeton, I will point out tonight's meaningful moments that you might've missed. And then we will go inside the numbers to highlight the most important statistical notes from the game. You are listening to the assembly call. Stick with us. This is Verdell Jones. What's better than an epic buzzer beater? The full court dribble and a perfectly placed pass to set it all up. And of course, celebrating with Hoosier Nation afterwards. So join Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach on the assembly call after every IU basketball game. Go Hoosiers. Thanks, Verdell. You are listening to the assembly call IU postgame show. I'm Jared Morris here with Ryan Phillips. We are breaking down Indiana's 20-plus point victory over Princeton tonight at Simon Scott Assembly Hall. Ryan, it's time for tonight's meaningful moment that you might have missed. And, you know, I teased this back in the first segment, but, you know, it's it's a real subtle thing. But I thought it was, you know, again, we talk about adjustments Indiana made in the second half. I thought this was an important one. You know, on the halftime report, I talked about how, you know, sometimes Indiana's perimeter defenders, and I especially will call out Al Durham and Armand Franklin for this, because I think Rob and Devontae are better at it. But when they are guarding a dribbler, it's like they are more mirroring what the dribbler is doing as opposed to putting an arm bar and holding their ground and stopping the guy from dribbling. And sometimes they'll just kind of weave through the lane with the guy or it'll create a straight line drive for the guy. And that's what we saw from Llewellyn time and again as Princeton spread Indiana out and just kind of picked on the you know the, the guards who did not do a very good job of containing dribble penetration. I thought Al Durham was much, much better in the second half, as good as he's been all season long. You know, there was one play early in the second half. I think it was Llewellyn tried to dribble into the lane, and Al just bodied him up. You know, he put that arm bar in, in his back or in his side and just didn't let him go. Did it without fouling, but impeded his progress. Several times he did this, and it's a subtle little thing, 
but it's what the pack line defense kind of needs to make it go. So you're not constantly putting the defense into help situations, putting the defense into rotation. More you know, importantly, you're not putting the defense into recovery situations. Right, right. You know, or just, again, letting a guy go straight to the basket. So, yeah. you know, this was not a, you know, you know, from a scoring perspective, you know, this wasn't a great game for Al, but I think some of that slack was obviously picked up by having Devontae Green back in there. He only had to take six shots, but I thought Al did a lot of other things well tonight after kind of a rough first half. Had four rebounds. He had a career-high six assists. And again, you know, I thought his defense as much as anybody's in the second half really helped key the turnaround on that end of the court. So I know I've been hard on him and his defense so far this year, but it it hasn't been good. I thought in the second half tonight it was, and it really showed. Here's the here's the difference for Al this year. They're putting him on the other team's either best or second best player, whereas he's kind of skated by in the past on another guy, you know, and and so he's handling he's defending primary ball handlers, which he hasn't done yet. Uh, I think his off-ball defense has always been really good. His on-ball mm. defense, well, no, his his on-ball. Well, I'll say this: his off-ball defense, as in getting in passing lanes and doing things like that, I think have been fine. His recovery when he's to one his pa- own when man. he's one pass away. If he's running off screens, he gets lost, kind of watching the ball sometimes. If he's a pass away, he's better. Okay, but, I, I here's what I will here's what I was trying to say though: is that like recovering to his man sometimes not great at it, yes, but yes. helping and and you know. It, getting him passing lanes from a distance and all that stuff. I think he's fine at it's, it's recovering to his own man. That has been his biggest struggle. His on ball defense hasn't been as tested as it will be this year. And I will say that I thought in the second half, I thought he was fantastic on on ball defense. I thought that there were some problems in the first half and I thought he really recovered in the second half and played better. It was almost like you look at his face and he looked like he was enjoying the challenge of it. And, and that's the first time he's been engaged in enjoying the challenge of that on ball defense. And look, we know, Al has the ability because of how long his arms are to do something wrong and recover and be okay. And it's, and, and not be a disaster if he makes a mistake and, you know, maybe he steps the wrong way and then needs to recover back because of his physical gifts. That isn't necessarily the end of the world where a smaller guy would have an issue with that. So I think he just needs to learn the limits or, you know, how much his body will help him with these things. That was the one thing OG Ananobi was always great at was he just knew that physically he could screw up and physically recover to anybody. And he never gave up on plays. And I think Al is starting to, he's got to start to build that confidence as well. One thing I will say about Al, I know we're talking defense, six assists tonight. I think he did a really good job of moving the ball around. Yeah, he and, did. He really did. And, and also, finding openings for guys that maybe didn't look like they were there. And then, you know, throwing a couple alley-oops was was nice at the end. Yeah, I mean, you know, points-wise, it's his lowest output. But I feel like I feel like there have been other games, certainly, where he scored better but didn't overall play better than he did tonight. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Played, and and the, other thing is, the other thing is, he didn't score much, but he didn't shoot much. It wasn't like, you know... Yeah, he didn't need he missed, to. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't like he missed a ton of shots, and that's why he scored for you. He only shot six times, you know? And he took one three. He didn't try to overdo it from there. And, you know... Uh, and the one three he took, I was fine with. So, I mean, it's, you know, he's been hitting them. So why not, you know, give it a look early on, especially. So, yeah, I agree with you. I think that the first half, it looked like more of the same on the ball uh, with his on-ball defense. I thought the second half, he looked a lot better. He looked like how we expect Al Durham as a junior to look on the ball. Yeah. Uh, another meaningful moment, going back all the way to the beginning of the first half, it was 8-5 out of the first media timeout. Indiana came out with a quick 4-0 run out of that media timeout. 
And it all started with another beautiful baseline out of bounds play from Indiana. Uh, Trace Jackson Davis ran off a couple of screens, ends up getting uh, a dunk on the lob. I think Al Durham threw it. Yeah. You know, this is this is becoming a theme. I mean, Indiana's got some really nice actions on the baseline. Again, you know, credit to Archie Miller and the staff for drawing up some good plays, having the guys prepared. Um, Absolute you know, 180 really from nice the last two years. I thought that our, our inbounds plays were just super basic the last two years. And I think that already this year we're seeing there's some creativity, there's some variance, they're doing different things. And clearly they're blindsiding teams with it because – They've made teams look foolish on a number of inbounds plays so far. So kudos to those guys for figuring that out. You know, one other meaningful moment that was interesting, I think it was toward the end of the first half, if I recall correctly, but, you know, the TV cameras caught, you know, Archie Miller over on the sidelines, giving Jerome Hunter what I will describe as a stern talking to. Like, you could only see Archie from the back, but you could just tell by, like, the gyrations yeah. of his head and his body. <laughs> just the, way the body Jerome language in general from the back, yeah. And look, you know, it didn't seem like it was outlandish because Jerome did not play well in the first half. You know, defensively, no. you know, was not ready to recover, did not, you know, close out on shooters in any way ready to have the dribbler you know, attack him. The guys just blew by him. The same thing kind of happened to Demizi, who, you know, one game after seeming so into it on both ends yeah. against Troy was really out of it. But again, as I mentioned before, those guys didn't play much in the second half. And, you know, if that was in response to their play in the first half, and this is Archie saying, look, I'm going to roll with the guys who, you know, are out Especially here. Especially in a game that's close. Yeah. You and, know, and, it's, it's pretty close. Yes. I mean, for a and lot and if it. he's saying, I'm going to roll with the guys that are going to compete defensively, I applaud him. That's, this is, yeah. that's the kind of stuff that we want to see. And that's the kind of stuff that having depth and some health, at least having 10 scholarship guys healthy allows you to do. And that was another reason I thought it was a well-coached game and hopefully a learning experience for those two guys who I think we all agree. You are pro we're probably never going to know from one game to the next until maybe February, you know, maybe what those guys are going to give. And I think you yeah, have I mean, to hope that one of them is ready to, you know, come out and play well, but you know, I mean, Demisi is, is a sophomore, but we know he's a guy who's kind of still trying to develop the kind of instincts that you need to function within a team concept. Like, like, you know, at Indiana, and Jerome is still just trying to get back comfortable playing, you know, Jerome's, basketball again. So Jerome's it's going to take basically, them some time. Jerome, I've been telling people treat Jerome Hunter like a true freshman. Like this is his first time on campus because he didn't get to develop last year. A lot of redshirt guys get to develop. He didn't get to do that last year in the same way that a race Thompson got to during his freshman year or something like that. So you've got to treat this guy. He's going to be up and down like a freshman would be, and he's going to have good games and he's going to have bad games and he's going to have games where he looks like the you know, the next great IU player possibly for stretches and then drops off completely. And, and it's just going to be that way because he's got to get used to playing basketball again after a year away. And people don't understand what a year away from playing actual games will do to you and how that, that really can hurt your performance. So I've been away um, from it for like 15 years. How am I going to do with that fantasy camp in August? <laughs> It's going to be interesting. It's going to be rough. That. Are we hire We're hiring a videographer just to follow your every move, right? And like it's, a doctor to be on call. Yeah, and well, yeah, that too. A, a medic, a stretcher. <laughs> no, but I, you know, it yeah. is. It, I mean, that's how you have to look at him. Is essentially yeah. he is a true freshman playing for the first time, and just like Armand Franklin can look great one minute and look lost the next. That's going to happen to Jerome. Um, it stinks to say that because, look, the guy lost a year. You would hope that that's a year he can build up his confidence and build up, you know, get into better shape and all those things. But 
because of his injury and, and his health issues, he was not able to do that. So it's just a, it's a different experience than a normal redshirt freshman would have. So I would say that just there's got to be patience with Jerome. I think from the coaching staff too. But the other thing is in a tight game, you're not going to put that guy out there if you don't know if you can rely on him. You know? And to be fair, for parts of this game, it was a tight game. There's also a difference between letting him maybe play through some mistakes of rhythm or decision-making yes. and not allowing him to not compete. I thought, fair. to me, that's what I saw defensively. And I feel like that's why Archie was chewing him out. And so I, you know, I appreciate that because you've got to hold that standard. So I, you know, I agree. People in the chat are saying Jerome's going to be fine. Believe me, I agree. I think this guy's going to so be too. a yeah. huge player for this team well, as and early I also, as this year. But there are going to be those ups and downs. Well, and there's freshman moments guys have where they think they're competing, but they're not. They're not even close to competing. You know, and that's the yeah. frustration with freshmen is that they'll be out there and they're competing at a hundred percent for what they did in high school but not 100% for what you need to do at the college level. And so, again, there's going to be those ups and downs, those ebbs and flows. I bet there's going to be a game where Jerome Hunter looks absolutely locked in defensively and everything, and then the next game comes out and lays an egg. Demise Anderson laid an egg tonight after, I mean, we were all, after the last game, kind of like, all right, we'll take this, you know, but again, complete swing. And I think we all expected something like that. It's you it, just when you get confident the you know the real world hits you and and uh, I think that happened to Demizi today and he needs to rethink you know some of the shots he took and some of the angles he took defensively and and all that stuff. It's part of what makes Trace's start to the season so impressive. Unbelievable. You no, I mean you just don't you haven't is, had that from him. He and Romeo Langford was that way last year. There's just a maturity to some of these guys beyond others. And and Trace is incredibly mature. He doesn't seem to get too high or too low. He's just kind of you know always at the same temperature. Um, and he'll make mistakes at times, but he doesn't compound them by making a mistake on the next possession and the next possession and the next possession. Um, no, know, it's like and, it's like after something happens, a mistake or a bad call. Like I was talking about the band in a moment. It's like he, he wants to attack. It's like yeah. he hyper focuses, too. I mean, yeah, he, he almost always makes a good play after that. And is, <laughs> quite frankly, that's why you recruit a guy of his talent level is and, and just and makeup. You know, yeah. Well, that's the thing: talent yeah. level, ability, makeup. I mean, that's why you sometimes need to throw in that. You know, people will sometimes say, "Oh, I don't want to deal with the ego of a five star guy." No, you want that guy, like you know, because not every five star is created equally, and there's a different level to Trace Jackson Davis's game. And he seems like a guy who has a healthy ego. Like there is, oh not, yeah, for yeah, sure. You know, no, I'm like, not. I'm I, there's the ego that he has is I know I'm better than that guy. I can beat him. You yeah. know, there's that level of yes. just confidence as opposed to, you know, a personal ego. It's yeah. an on-court ego of, I can beat this guy and I'm going to beat this guy. And and you need that on your team at some level. Devontae, one-on-one, has that level of ego against some guys sometimes. It's just like, oh, this guy's, I'm going to toy with him and beat him. And and that's what he did a couple times tonight. And that's frankly why IU ended up with a win was because guys like that see that they're better than somebody and attack them the way they should. And that's that's healthy. That's that's knowing your strengths, and that's playing to what you think is a mismatch. I should probably talk about Armand Franklin, too, real quick, while we're talking about freshmen, because you know he's a guy who obviously his stats have not kept up with that first game, which no one expected that they would. And yeah. I think you know his, his hold on the starting job is obviously tenuous just until Devontae and or Rob are ready to take it back, which may be as soon as Monday uh, against Louisiana Tech. You know, he only played 12 minutes tonight. Um, I, I thought he did a few nice things, you know, had a couple of nice buckets, had a couple of nice assists. The one thing I continue to notice about Armand, and this will change, he will get better at this, especially just as we go through this year. 
when he gets the ball on offense and he drives into the lane, it's almost like he's afraid to probe too far or to commit to driving, even if he's got a lane, because he's just a little tentative. And I, yeah, I think it'll change. I think he'll get more confidence. But, you know, yeah. yeah, those are the kinds of things. Like, there are lanes for him at times. He's not quite ready to take them. Once he is, those are going to be buckets. Or those are going to create great passing lanes, you know, where guys are going to come help to him, and he'll be able to dump it off. So it's just those are the things to watch for. He'll have those opportunities as the season keeps going. And I think because he also strikes me as a mature guy. Like, I don't, mm-hmm. you know, you've never once watched him and said, okay, Armand's not competing. He reminds me of a lot of when Al Durham came in as a freshman. People didn't expect a whole lot, and immediately he was competing. And and yeah. maybe not like a star, but he was competing, and he had the confidence in himself that people maybe from the outside didn't have in him. Um, and that's just as important. I mean, here's the thing. He played 12 minutes tonight. He got put down a little bit because, guess what? Al and Devontae Green were playing really well together. So you're going to ride with those guys, but you, Franklin, we want Armand Franklin playing 12 minutes a game. Yes, that's absolutely. <laughs> you know, it's just compared to what he's been doing. Yeah. you know, he was been playing more. So he played 12 minutes, and it wasn't his best game. He, but he didn't turn the ball over. He didn't take bad shots. He didn't, you know, get him dig himself a hole because he needed to like do something. You know, he just sort of plays what he does, what he's good at. Now, the bummer part is, is that he was a minus two on the night. Uh, only Demizi was was in other was in the negative. He was a minus three, yeah. but I mean, you know, single course, game plus minus. You know. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, but I will say that that a guy like Armand is 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 a guy who you want to be able to be a freshman. And look, I would not be surprised next week if he's not in the starting lineup anymore. Devontae's back. Rob Finnessy's playing better. Uh, is, is is hopefully getting be- getting better. I'm not playing better, but getting better. Um, you know, I, I think that's probably it for him in the starting lineup, but that's good because now he can develop in stretches off the bench. You just hope that his play yes. doesn't take a step back when he's seeing fewer minutes. Uh, okay, inside the numbers, your favorite segment. Let's talk about oh, a my few favorite. numbers here. <laughs> we already talked about the free throws, obviously 14 for 17. Uh, you know, Another really efficient night for Indiana from the free throw line. Although you'd like that number to be a little bit higher. You know, 17 free throws, not a huge number. Yeah, you want to take more. Yeah, first yeah. half, you know, they had 11. In the second half, they only had six free throws. They made them all. Um, you know, and it's interesting because they were actually more aggressive going to the basket in the second half, too. But obviously, the end of that game got a little non competitive. So, you know, you weren't going to have some of the fouls there. So, right. A little well, bit of an also, this game was just comparison, but this game was just called differently. The other games we've seen this year, there were only yeah. 27 total fouls called where we were, we were boarding 50 on the other game. So you're just, they were, everybody was shooting fewer free throws. Princeton only shot 13. So that was just the flow of the game, I guess. And, and, yeah. you know, you'd like them to be, I, I don't want 50 fouls in the game, but you want it to be somewhere in between where tonight's was and where the other games have been. So, yeah, uh, you know, other numbers that jump out, Indiana had 19 assists on 31 made field goals. That I don't, you know, that has to be the highest assist rate of the season, uh which was great to see. That's that's a path for this team. Again, you know, yeah. not a team that brings a lot of individual offense. They've got to move the ball. Eight steals is also impressive. You know, Devontae Green coming back obviously helped that, but Justin Smith, Joey Brunk, and Race Thompson. <laughs> they had a stretch. They had a all stretch had two steals. Like, there was a stretch where they had like three steals in a row on one sequence. I mean, yeah. it was. Well, I mean, when was, you're pressuring the ball and making yep. passing lanes difficult and making dribblers uncomfortable, you get steals. What was the breakdown on that? 
Um, five of the steals came in the second half. You know, three of yeah. them came in the first half. Not a coincidence that it was, you know, more in the second half. Uh, you know, the other big thing that Archie Miller talked about coming into the game was obviously defending the post. Indiana did a really good job defending the post. Great job of that. But also, you know, Princeton to a certain extent, and, and perhaps they did this because Indiana was defending it so well, they abandoned the post and went to their five-out yeah. offense. You know, and then it was about getting to shooters because you knew that Princeton was going to want to shoot threes. And Princeton ends up for the game six of 27 from downtown. Now, did they miss a few good looks? Yeah. But yeah. I thought for the most part, you know, Indiana did a pretty good job of challenging shooters and, and you know, at least being there, making guys uncomfortable. And so I think, you know, that six of 27 wasn't just a team coming in and being cold. I think Indiana contributed to that um, with just more intense Close, defense. Better closeouts, yeah. Yeah, and it led to Princeton scoring .831 points per possession, which, again, I can't confirm that that's the lowest number of the season, but I think it it's is. It's close. Yeah. And that is the lowest. If that's the lowest number of the season, Princeton is the highest rated offense Indiana has faced. So that's a good sign in terms of progress for the defense, you know, that things are getting a little bit better. Um, and then the other number, obviously, that jumps out is, you know, 15 field goal attempts from Langborg. I don't know what it is about San Diego guys feeling like they've got to get up more shots than anybody just else. Get, they, they, what they is it about up, that high school? <laughs> wind up in Indiana and just have to shoot. Yeah. Um, uh, what numbers? They just have to insert themselves into everything. Yeah, it's, they really do. <laughs> Interrupting um, possessions. Exactly. Know. No, I I got some numbers for you. Uh, fifty to twenty-two points in the paint against a team that was supposed to be really good in the paint. I mean, I know you mentioned that they went away from the, but but still, Indiana continued the theme of just of seventy-nine points. Fifty were in the paint. So I mean, they're really, really attacking that and playing to their strengths. Which look early in the season, that's what you want to see. You want to see a team attacking to its strengths and build out from there, so that you develop strengths elsewhere. But you're focused on what you're, uh, what you're the best at. Also, 28 more bench points tonight. We've been talking about the bench and potential. We were worried early in the season. Will the bench be a letdown? And and it hasn't been. They've been scoring at a pretty good clip. Um, Again, opponents aren't the greatest, but they're they're finding guys who can put the ball in the basket off the bench. Helps when Devontae Green is playing off your bench. Uh, but yeah. in but in general, they're finding guys who can contribute. A guy like Ray Thompson off the bench will give you points and rebounds during the season. Uh, you know, I think Demise Anderson, Jerome Hunter will be better than they were tonight. Rob Fantasy's playing off the bench right now, which means that somebody's gonna move to the bench uh, who's in the starting lineup. So you're you're just getting better and better uh production off the bench that we've seen in the last few years. Um what was the last one I wanted? Oh, yeah, they finished uh, 56.4% from the field. And in the second half, that was 62.1% from the field. 18 of 29, both uh, a high clip. Indiana has been, shooting over 50, 50, has been shooting over 50% all year, and they continued that. And they maybe even increased their percentage tonight. Also, the other number that I want to mention, um, and let me double check something real quick. Um, so, yeah, the other number that I wanted to mention is Indiana only took, how many threes did Indiana take? Uh, 10. They only took 10, 10 three-pointers. And I think that's good. You know, they made three of them. Obviously, you know, you'd like to make one more and, you know, kind of maintain your season average. But I thought it was a really nice adjustment in the second half. Well, I, how many did they take in the first half? They were yeah, they two they four. Okay, right. So, no, they, they, were, in the first half. they were one for six in the first half. And again, you know, a few of those were rushed. In the second half, they went two for four. They were efficient, but they pounded the ball inside. You know, that I, I just thought the shot selection, your strength. Yeah, the yeah. shot selection was really good. Um, and that was one thing that I was worried about, just kind of based on Princeton's statistical profile a little bit. You know, wouldn't Indiana start settling for three pointers? And they didn't. You know, and, and that's the thing we, I talked about on the halftime report. You know, based on how the first half went with Princeton, you know, really 
just packing the paint and making things hard on Indiana, does Archie adjust by going to some smaller lineups and trying to get more shooting on the floor? Well, he clearly didn't do that, and maybe part of the reason he didn't do that is because he didn't trust Amizi and Jerome to be out there playing, because those were a couple guys that you might play in smaller lineups. Instead, sure. he kept the big lineups out there, but changed what they were doing tactically, yeah. like, as we talked about, to get Pick the guys on the move. So, yeah. you know, what, what do you know? The they, coach, they the coach had that... smarter adjustments than the post-game show host. <laughs> Go well, figure. They, they... They started having that side to side pick and roll stuff where it's, you know, two back to back pick and roll screens. They started, you know, doing stuff like that. And and again, it's gonna open up the floor for you. And you were right. You made a great uh point earlier when you talked about how they were hitting their big men on the move. Can't double team a guy when he's on the move. I mean, you could try. You're gonna be very unsuccessful. You know, it's you can only really double team a guy when he's 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 already set up in the post and stationary. It worked tonight. But I, I do think this remains a lingering issue as we go into December. Is how, no, how is Indiana going to handle when you have the two bigs on the floor so you only have three shooters? How do you handle the defenses that teams are going to throw at you where they're packing the paint? Indiana's going to face teams that guard the ball screens, those side ball screens, better than what Princeton did. Yes. And so, you know, at some point, Indiana's going to have to step up and make shots. So it worked tonight. Here's good adjustments here's the good tonight. Thing. But this is going to be something to watch out for as we go Here's through the Here's the good season. thing. They've got it on film and can learn from it because there, yes. there were times in the first half where it was atrocious. So it's, you know, look, it's a win. They played very well in the second half. But we got to remember that first half brought up a lot of concerns that they're going to have to address in practice for sure. And And look, considering the level of competition they've played, it's good to have concerns at this point. Or to work off of because it it gives you false confidence if you're just blowing everybody out and playing great halves all the time because they're going to hit a wall and unless reality. you're just awesome. <laughs> well, there you go. That's true. <laughs> but at some point, every you know, there's a reason why teams don't go undefeated. You know, it's because at some point reality is going to hit. It, it, I mean, since 1976, <laughs> of course. Uh, there's there's a reason. It's because reality hits you at some point when you're coasting along and winning and winning and winning. Reality hits you, whether that's a um, a Christian Watford three in the face or what. You're gonna get you're gonna you're gonna get hit with it, and it's gonna come quickly. And and so IU needs to have some negative stuff on tape to reinforce. Hey, we're not a finished product, and don't get too high with your five and zero record. Yeah. Okay. Uh, coming up on the assembly call, we will hand out our game balls and hit any other lingering storylines. We will check the Ken Palm rankings to see what they say after this game. Then we'll look ahead to Indiana's next opponent, and it will be time for last call. A lot to do still. That's next. Stick with us on the assembly call. This is Tim Priller, and I never miss an episode of the Assembly Call. Thanks, Tim. You are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. Catch us live immediately following every IU basketball game, plus every Thursday night and Monday afternoon at our website, assemblycall.com. So much content during the season. While you're there, make sure that you sign up for our free IU Hoops email newsletter. Over 7,000 of your fellow IU fans have subscribed. You can also text IU to 66866 to subscribe to the newsletter. That's IU to 66866. One of these nights, I'm just going to give out your cell phone number for that text thing and just have people text you and see what you do getting people signed up for the email newsletter. Would you know how to do it? I'll just I'll just send you angry text back. <laughs> 
this? Maybe we won't do that. Uh, I'm Jared Morris <clears throat> here with Ryan Phillips. We were breaking down Indiana's victory over Princeton <clears throat> on uh, Wednesday night at Simon Scott Assembly Hall. Time now for our game balls. You know, Trace Jackson Davis got the banner moment for his great stretch at the start of the second half. Uh, but, you know, come on. How can the president of the Devontae Green fan club not give Devontae Green the game ball? Uh, you know, for what I thought was, look, I thought, you know, Trace kind of, you know, provided the spark in that second half. But then I thought Devontae kind of threw the match on it and really ignited it for Indiana with his defense, with his playmaking. Uh, and it was just it was it was great to see in a macro sense because of how important Devontae is and all the things that we've been talking about that he brings to this team. We saw all of them tonight. Very obviously, but in a micro sense, it was really important for Indiana putting some distance between themselves and Princeton. And I don't think they're able to do that without the dynamic playmaking of Devante. He is so important for this team because he just does so many things that other guys don't do. And we saw that tonight. So game ball to Devante, and hopefully it's a sign of things to come because as the competition gets better, you need guys like him making plays because it's going to free up stuff for anybody else and get you easy buckets that you wouldn't otherwise be able to get. So good job, Devante. Here's why I'm going to agree with you. I You could say Joey Bronk based on a curve because it was the best game at Indiana, all that. Here's what I'm going to say. Devontae Green's stat line would look a lot better if Joey Bronk had made a few of the layups that <laughs> <laughs> Devontae <laughs> set him up for. He missed about three layups, and he got fouled on one of them, but he missed about three layups that, that would have given Devontae about seven assists on the night. He finished with four, 16 points off the bench. Uh, in 26 minutes, he was a plus 29. Bronk was also a plus 29. Um but I just I think that you're right. I think Devonte uh, really provided that spark. Didn't turn the ball over. He had one turnover, uh, five of eight from the field, two of three from three, four of six from the line. He missed his first two free throws. Made the rest. Um, I think he missed his first two of that three point thing. Uh, but then you know a rebound, four assists, only one foul too for playing on the ball all night. Uh, definitely think it's Devonte with this one. It was an encouraging performance to see. I thought he hit a dagger three. That that three, it wasn't close to the end of the game, but that three where he had the step back move and knocked down three. I felt like that was the end of the game. Like that that was the end of the yeah. the continuous Princeton comebacks. Uh, I, I thought that really was just sort of the arm, you know, putting the arm out, and saying this game's over. Uh, so I, I give it to Devonte. Um, I would say a, a second place would be Joey Bronk. At third would probably be Trace Jackson Davis. Um, and I throw an honorable mention to the coaches. I mean, I don't know if they're yeah, technically sure, like. Sure. I don't know if we technically give coaches game balls. I guess we can. It's our show. We can do whatever we want. But yeah. this is definitely a game where I felt like you could really feel the adjustments were the great. coaching. Like it was, you know, it was present from the out of bounds plays to the substitutions to the second half adjustments. Just felt like a really well coached game by a coach that, at least for this night, you know, really seemed to have the pulse of his team. And I think that's a good sign moving forward. Yeah, the lineup rotations and stuff, there were no questions there. Like, I just thought, okay, the right guys were in at the right time. So, um, And Justin Smith, yeah. you know, we mentioned him before, but he's, you know, he's been a rock. He did play he, very, he really yeah, has. especially I thought in the he, second half. It's like he he's really always been the up. second or third best player every game, you know, but that's the consistency yeah. that you want from him. He doesn't have a game ball yet. Trace has three. Al has one. Devontae has one. But it's like Justin's always been right there as second or third. Right, and you <laughs> couldn't do what they've done so far without Justin contributing. He's had that one-off game. Other than that, he's been really solid. And we talked about him. I thought his second half especially was really, really good. Uh, I just think that Devontae was the prime mover, so you got to give it to him. He was the guy who made everything go tonight. Should we just name everybody? Should we give Cooper Bivey a game ball for coming in and knocking down a three-pointer? Probably a little honorable mention there. Kid was uh, <laughs> shooting 100% on the night. Got to give it to him, right? You know what, man? Good for him. Get in there, shoot your shot. 
You know, he doesn't get that much time out there. And he was like three feet behind the three-point line. <laughs> yeah, Just take it. I know. <laughs> Might as well. Um, so, Ken Palm updated. Always nice to look at that. Uh, Indiana now 30th overall in the country, 21st in adjusted offensive efficiency, 51st in defense. I mean, how much would you have bet going into the season that those numbers would be reversed after five games? Yes, very high. She was, you know, just well, I mean, to show and you, but... you. Look, sometimes in a blowout, you wind up giving out, giving up more points than you would normally, but you also score more points. So it, it I think those numbers sense, are pretty yeah. accurate reflections of what we've yeah, seen, though. You know, and again, you know, the offense has been buoyed by playing some really bad defenses, but the defense has had some bad habits that they even had tonight in the first half and had to get cleaned up. So that does make sense. And you know, we always need to give these caveats early in the season. There's, you know, still some of last season stuff baked into those Ken Palm numbers and it's noisy because, you know, Indiana hasn't played a team better than 225 and other teams have played tougher schedules. So, you know, all that stuff is going to get evened out. But what you do like to see, the, the thing that I like to look at here is Indiana opened the season 34th and now they're up to 30th. And, you know, the one thing that you can do in these games against you know, the, the dregs of division one college basketball is, you know, if you're bringing your kind of B minus game every night and you're winning by 10, you're winning by eight, you know, your, your rent, your numbers are going to go down because you're not beating teams how you're supposed to beat them. You know, outside of the Portland state game that was, you know, within 11, Indiana has exceeded the expectation in every game. And so warts and all injuries and all to be able to do that, that's impressive, and I think really shows the potential that this group has. So that to For me sure. is that's what I like to look at from those numbers. You know, you don't want to take any individual number too seriously, but that trend to me is the sign of a mature team. And for a team that's actually this young with this little minutes continuity from one season to the next, I think that's a nice early season sign. Yeah, and, and look, they're five and zero, oh, and they're doing what they're supposed to do to most of these teams. I mean that that's. You have to just accomplish what you're supposed to accomplish. And, you know, we're not going to be, you know, nobody's going to be taking to Kirk the streets of Kirkwood to celebrate a win over Princeton in November. But you have to, to get to that point, you got to knock off some of the things. And by the way, we're, by the way, where, where's Coach Tonsoni? You never know. know. You he never know be, when he's ready to take the streets of Kirkwood might. to celebrate something. <laughs> but I, I do think that um, it's, it's nice to see them knocking off some wins. Cause remember, Last year, they were maybe one win away from getting into the NCAA tournament. God. Get those wins now. Like get as many as you can now, and, and and sock them away and enjoy them. Having them in your in, in that column, um, and so we'll see. They can they need to continue to do this and continue to take care of business. And tonight was just taking care of business. Um. Okay. Any other storylines from this game? I think I mean, we hit on all the guys. We hit on the coaching adjustments. I think that's I think we mostly hit this game, I think. Anything else for you that lingers that we haven't talked about? No, that, that that's it. I mean, I think we really covered it. I think that the Devontae story is the big one from tonight. Devontae and, and Joey Brunk really stepping up and doing what veterans are supposed to do for a younger team. Um, all right. So we have assembly call radio tomorrow night. You're not gonna be here. Andy and coach will be here. Yeah, I've been kicked off that show. I said I would do a four box, but would, I've been silent. Do you want to? I mean, we haven't done a four man show. We could. We can decide. We'll text. We'll, okay. we'll surprise the people tomorrow. Okay, we, we will. Up. We will surprise the people. Uh, you are going to be out for about a week because you're going to yes. be taking your annual Christmas trip. Um, so, well, it's Thanksgiving trip, but yeah, or the, it's, yeah, that's right, Thanksgiving trip. Sorry, <laughs> yeah, I'm I will be with family here. in another state. So, yeah, and we've so, tried to do shows when I've done that, and they've always gone horribly, <laughs> horribly wrong. So, trust me, folks, we're doing you a favor. Yeah. 
Um, okay, so that's all well and good. Um, so, send the call Radio Thursday. Then, by the way, we are not going to have Banner Monday on Monday. It is my wedding anniversary. Wife and I are going on a little trip. We will not be back in time for that. Uh, and then Coach and Andy will have the post-game show. If I'm back and can watch the game, I'll hop on the post-game show. Uh, if not, I'll just let the two of those guys take it. And that brings us to the Monday night game against Louisiana Tech, Ryan. And after playing number 313 and number 271 and number 275 and number 299 and number 225, we finally get a game against a team with only two digits next to their name in Ken Palm, Louisiana Tech. So I know, that we've all, I know that we've all looked at this November as, okay, a bunch of scrubs. Indiana needs to go 7-0. and This is true. Indiana needs to go 7-0. and But this is not a game that we should just chalk up to, hey, we're going to come and wipe the floor with these guys. Uh, this Louisiana Tech team, you know, they're rated higher than a couple of Big Ten teams right now. They went on the road to Creighton. They only lost by 10. So don't get me wrong. You know, if Indiana plays well, they're going to control this game and win by 10, 15 points. I think that's the expectation. But Indiana's going to have to play well. You know, this is a team that has really played good defense so far this year. They're 18th in the country in effective field goal percentage defense. Um, you know, they, they, they've defended twos very well. You know, they're holding opponents to 39% from two-point range. So it's going to be, you know, a big test. I don't know their personnel. Again, we don't have Andy here to kind of break all that down. But just looking at what they've done defensively, those are good defensive numbers. Those are the kind of numbers to track to know if a team is playing good defense. Um, because those numbers tend not to be too noisy. You know, you tend to have to have a pretty good defense to be good at those numbers. So it's going to be a big test, I think, for Indiana's inside guys uh, and for Indiana offensively. Uh, and then you I know, wonder from- if that's the game where everybody will be healthy finally, where they'll stop God, with I hope, the I hope know, so, man. With the breaks and the and they'll just let everybody go. They've I got hope a so. week basically to get there. Yeah, I sure hope so. You know, they're they're not a team that shoots really well uh, from the three point range or from from the three point line. They're also a bad free throw shooting team. Uh, but they're pretty good on twos. So they kind of profile offensively like Indiana last year. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, this seems like another game where the big guys are going to make a big difference. You know, so Joey Brunk inside. Hopefully Deron Davis is back. You know, good test for Trace Jackson Davis. So, um, you know, I would come into that game expecting it to be a competitive game, but one that if Indiana plays well, they should win by 10, 15 points. Um, but a good test. It is absolutely, you know, it's a little bit of a no-win situation for Indiana because it's a game you at, you're not going to get any credit for winning, but you absolutely right. can't lose. But hey, it'll be a good test. They'll learn something about themselves, uh, and obviously it'll be the best competition they'll play before Florida State comes in in two weeks and obviously ratchets up the competition and athleticism level uh, about six level, notches yeah. from what, we've, uh, from what yeah. we've played so far. Any thoughts heading into that game since you won't be on a show between now and then for kind of what you're looking for and what Indiana uh, needs to do I just besides get see healthy? Them t- Again, take care of business. I I think that it's do what you're supposed to do against that team. That is a team that is the biggest threat to IU before we get into the, you know, the the games we expect to be bigger and more competitive. Just take care of business and don't play one half, play two, you know, I can play a complete game. Those are the two things I want to see tonight. We didn't see really a complete game from this team. We saw about 26 minutes of good play and and I want to see 40. And I think that this is the team where it's it's going to have to happen. I agree. All right. You've been listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. Remember that because you are an Assembly Call listener, you get 20% off of your entire order at homefieldapparel.com. Use the promo code ASSEMBLY20. And if you want to go directly to the IU collection, just type in homefieldiu.com. That'll take you there. Choose from the most comfortable and unique IU apparel. And that promo code ASSEMBLY20 will get you 20% off. 
All right, Ryan, it is time for last call. Your final thoughts on Indiana's victory over Princeton. Well, the Princeton of Southern Central Indiana just beat the Princeton of being Princeton. So that that's good, right? Um, no, I will say that that it's it's a it, it was a solid win. It was nice to see the turnaround in the second half, the coaching adjustments, the players playing better, the the, the focus being there, and then seeing you know the guys respond to it and 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 being again more focused and and ready to attack and and be smarter on defense and all those things. And it was also great to see guys like Joey Bronk and Justin Smith and Devontae Green step up because that's what your veterans are supposed to do. And Al Durham as well, um, though his you know scoring numbers weren't up. I thought he played a very good second half. So you when things aren't going well they were able to adjust and the veteran and lean on the veterans and trace Jackson Davis to get it done. And those are the guys you're supposed to lean on. You're supposed to lean on your veterans and your high level recruit. And um, I think that's, I think that's exactly what, what needs to happen this year. And, and this was a good example of that actually happening. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, really impressed with the coaching tonight. Good adjustments in the second half uh, and just impressed with the guys for taking some of the things they weren't doing well during that lull in the first half. After what I thought was a pretty good start, I, mean, I thought they came out and played, you know, relatively well at the start, alone the first half, and then they they adjusted in the second half, and that's nice to see. So I think we're all ready to see a good forty minute game from this team. You know, that also might be a little bit of an unrealistic expectation for a team that's had you know two guards injured, is dealing with so many new pieces and kind of working guys in and out of the lineup. Some ups and downs are to be expected, but what we saw tonight is that. You know, in a close game, Archie needed to make adjustments. He did. He shortened the bench. It worked. You get your playmaker back. He makes an impact, and you go on and dominate in the second half. And so, many, many more things to be encouraged about tonight than to be discouraged about. And I think this team is progressing about as well as you could have hoped. And now the next big step for them is get guys healthy. You know, Duran had back spasms. Archie said on the pregame radio he was 50-50, you know, so I don't know if that was a little bit of load management, you know, just trying not to, uh, you know, trying to give him a little break where you can, which I think would be smart with Duran. Uh, and then obviously Rob went out. So the biggest lingering question coming out of this is, is he okay? He came back to the bench. He was kind of cutting it up with Jerome Hunter there um, in the second half. So hopefully that's a good sign. And I haven't seen any postgame reports if they've come out and said if he's okay or not. I'll go check those now. But Encouraging night at Simon Scott Assembly Hall. Now we need two more of these to end November as we try to ramp up and build some momentum, build some confidence, build some cohesion for what's obviously going to be a tough but very important December. All right. <clears throat> that will do it for us on this edition of the Assembly Call IU postgame show. If you want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat, make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assemblycall. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com or text IU to 66866, or just text Ryan to join our free email newsletter. Special thanks to longtime listener Bob Thompson, who produced much of the music that you hear on the show, and thank you for listening. We'll be back to talk IU hoops again with you tomorrow night. Take it from me, Jordan Halls. Keep your elbow in and your eyes on the rim, and go Hoosiers. Thank everybody for coming out. All right, I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. I have a mad crush on Archie Miller and And cut. Jordan Halls only keeps one elbow in on his shot because it's <laughs> such a funky shot. So that's actually not a mistake. Uh, by the way, I saw Jay talking about how there's too many shows. The guy who has a question for every show. I think maybe there aren't enough shows. 
and we yeah, need you more don't have shows to watch to, every night, to, man. This is this is your world. You don't have to consume everyone. I mean, we'd like you to, but you don't have to. <laughs> By the way, Madeline held her own in the chat tonight. Yeah, I so wasn't, it's always it's I always impressive when she's in there, you know, standing up for Al Durham and holding her own against uh, Joel and the boys in there. So is Madeline now officially the VP of the Al Durham fan club? It looks like I Joel so. has. Yeah, they've decided that. So. Nice. Good for All right. Now. Well. Very nice. Very nice. Jay said, I have to see if Jared's hair is consistent every night. No. I did get no. a haircut, though, finally. Finally. Get, see, I thought you got a haircut gets, like a week ago because it was like it was flattened out. Just it was, hadn't it washed just, it. Yeah. <laughs> just hadn't washed it. <laughs> yeah. Typical Morris. That's all right. My hair has been like Justin Smith's first two seasons, but maybe now we can kind of level it out and we'll keep it consistent. I just need to get a haircut more often, like normal adults do. But, you know, yeah. as Jay said, we have too many shows, so it's hard to find a yeah. day to go get the haircut. <laughs> exactly. It's a busy schedule. Yeah. All uh, right. Cool, man. So I'll, I'll talk to you on text and stuff. We'll, we'll text you. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Later, guys. See you, everybody. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. America's beverage companies are working together to reduce plastic waste in our environment. Not all plastic is the same. At the Coca-Cola Company, Keurig Dr. Pepper, and PepsiCo, our bottles are made to be remade. We're carefully designing them to be 100% recyclable, including the caps. And we're investing in community recycling improvements so that every bottle we get back can be used to make new bottles. That completes the circle and reduces plastic waste. Please help us get every bottle back. Learn more at everybottleback.org.